Hi, welcome back. This is Carrie. And I'm Summer, and we are Hypoxia Podcast, and we are back today with For Honest History with Leo, our favorite historian. I don't know what to introduce this episode as, because we've just been bullshitting for the last 50 minutes. Okay, so what are we going to talk about, Leo? What are we going to talk about? Uh, History. We have to talk about, like, Queen Elizabeth II and her passing and what that means for people. Um, What is it, like the 20... First anniversary or, or remembrance of 9-11. Um, we've got Indigenous Peoples Day coming up on in October. We've got uh, Iranian women revolting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Hispanic Heritage Month going on right now. Um, and we've also got, you know, white people flipping out over the Little Mermaid because she's not supposed <laughs> to be black. That is, that is, and, and oh yeah, and the, like the little elves and whatever new Game of Thrones show or whatever is, like they got black people in that and white people are freak, freaking out too. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even have words, like the level of absurdity of people being upset about a mermaid and elves. Like, <laughs> it's an elf in Lord of the Rings, like, like, how racist do you have to be? That's the thing. That is literally the thing. Like, if if, if we can't even get into like fantasy and sci-fi stuff, like we don't have a shot in the real world if we can't even get into the fake stuff. Right, people flipping out. (laughs) The Little Mermaid is supposed to be what, like a Scandinavian, French something. I mean, it was written by some English dude, but I think even in the original, The Little Mermaid, like she was green. But of course, I mean, Disney gets a hold of it and turns her into a white girl with red hair and name her Ariel and voila, now all of a sudden white people think that they that they own the rights to that. I mean, but we've seen it like in other films and stuff like that too. Like mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago when Michael B. Jordan was rumored to be playing the new Superman and people freaked out because Superman's not supposed to be black, he's supposed to be white, even though he's an alien. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, 007 when Idris Elba was rumored to be up for the role mm-hmm. or whatever else. You and been... people freaked out about that because you know 007 is supposed to be supposed to be white, even though it's not like black people aren't British and live in England and whatever. And also, 007 is just a like a moniker, like it's not even. Yeah, it's not one person. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's the name that is given to that agent, which can be anybody. Well, I mean, do people freak out over Doctor Who because they they change that one every few years, don't they? I've yeah. never seen an episode, so I wouldn't know. But I haven't watched it, but I know there have been both men and women, and so been, it gets changed a lot. There's been one woman doctor, and people were pissed. Oh, they, were they? I'm uh, very far outside of that universe. I have no idea. I, like, I love Doctor Who. I stopped watching because I didn't like a choice of an actor they used for one of the doctors. But that like, has nothing to do with like anything. I didn't like him. Wait, has there ever been a black Doctor Who? Um, I think the newest doctor... I haven't kept up with it, but I think the newest doctor was supposed to be not white. <laughs> not white. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to Google to see if I can I... find out who will have been the doctors. Another woman or like another like anything that's not a white man. <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't kept up with it so long just because I stopped watching, but Images. Here's an image with all of the doctors there have been, and they are all white. Yeah. 
up through the woman? Have they had a new doctor since the woman? There's supposed to be a new one after her. Okay, that person's not on this graphic, so I don't know. Mm -mm. But it, it, it's amazing, like, what people are willing to, to, to like, stick to. Like, God forbid, like, there's ever any change. But yet and still, we expect, like, our society to end up any better than what it's always been when we can't even get, like, decent shit on TV. And it's <clears throat> funny. Right. But you have to remember, the people who are resistant to that change, they, they don't want what we see as better. They see that as worse. It's really funny with, like, Doctor Who, just for, like, that example, because we were just talking about it. One of the main villains went from being a white man to a white woman, and everybody loved it because they wanted to villainize her. But when it was a good guy turned into a woman, they hated it because it was supposed to be a white man. So, so. yeah, but it, it seems like it's like it's a through line with all this stuff. I mean, there's this mm -hmm. obsession with like sticking to canon, whether we're talking about you know the classic books that should always be taught, and God forbid we move away from those because we've always got to teach. You know, um, what, of Mice and Men, we've always got to teach, um, oh my God, what's the other one? Atticus Finch, what, what's that one? Is that uh, one of? Mockingbird? Yes, To Kill a Mockingbird. You have To Kill a Mockingbird. We've always got to teach Romeo and Juliet. Like we, there, there's this, this weird canon that we've always stuck to, which was created at a time when, you know, black folks and brown folks were not equal. And then now that we are trying to move into a different realm of society. Like people are literally like clutching their pearls and, and fighting tooth and nail and willing to die on the hill of like these very problematic books because at the end of the day, they just want things to stay the same. I also take issue with teaching Shakespeare <laughs> and, and Chaucer without any context. There's no historical context. Therefore, every important statement in the work is completely lost on the student. Mm -hmm. So then it's just miserable. So what's the fucking point? Yeah. But some of the parents are like, well, I learned that stuff and I ended up fine. So my kids should be able to learn that stuff too. And they're god awfully afraid that like if their kids learn anything different, that they're either not going to be successful or they're afraid of what they're going to learn. And my question is like, what are you exact? What are you so afraid of? Are you afraid of your kids coming home and, and asking you questions or, you know, holding you accountable for stuff or them seeing like how flawed your upbringing and how flawed your ideals are. I mean, that that's I mean, what that, it is. Yeah. That's how my grandparents were. Like the minute I came home, just like slightly more progressive after like freshman year, lost their shit. And it was just because I read different books and talked to different people and learned new things. Lost their shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's constantly people that are around them have to, you know, sit up there and put up with whatever they've dealt with or whatever else for decades, centuries, whatever else. But the moment we want just a, a, an itty bitty chance of, of change, it's time to flip out and go crazy and go nuts and die on that hill of fictitious, uh, ficti uh, fictional books and, you know, fictional TV characters and fictional movie characters, whatever else. Like, damn, if y'all are willing to hold on and fight tooth enough for stuff like this, again, like, we know what you're willing to do for like real life stuff and that shit is scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking of fighting for fiction, <laughs> the resistance to Indigenous People's Day is this month and I, 
So again, we're having, so I helped organize Indigenous People's Day in Oklahoma City, right? And we went, we took it before city council three different years. It failed, it has never been passed as a resolution, as a permanent observation in Oklahoma City. The mayor just makes a proclamation every year. So if he is not mayor at some point, it may not. So anyhow, so there, so we have ongoing conversations about trying to make this a resolution and we still hear the same arguments. <laughs> Columbus discovering America. Uh, no, uh, just like the idea that either what he did, the things he did weren't so bad or he didn't know they were bad, which is historically not even fucking true. Yeah. But like they will... Also, you don't think murdering people isn't bad? Like exactly like like they act like people didn't know that 500 years ago like there have always been people that knew that that was wrong yeah. i'd imagine christopher columbus knew that that was wrong too there's a difference he just didn't care and not to mention right. like we only hear about like him in 1492 we don't hear about the other voyages that he took to the quote-unquote new world and the, the horrible shit that he did to the fact that like to the point that like when he went back to europe like he was imprisoned like mm -hmm. he wasn't imprisoned because he was doing all the right stuff I mean, for a guy of that stature, of that fame, of whatever, of that importance, which even back then they knew the stuff he was doing was important for them to go ahead and put him in jail. Like, that says enough for the shit that he did. He was right. a horrible human being. Like, mm -hmm. and, there, and there's no way around that. There's no way you can cut off people's ears or, you know, let the time you play with the sharp ends of your sword because they technically didn't know any better or cut off their noses and think like, damn, like, this is actually totally okay. We should, we should, we, we've always done this. This is great. Like people knew right from wrong. And that's, that's my part that I have the biggest issue with, even when it comes to like teaching a, a more authentic history, like what are people so afraid of? Like, cause when you, when you, when you go ahead and tell a more authentic, authentic like idea of history, like it, it allows people the opportunity to know that there was better out there. Like when you don't talk about enslavement, that means that you're also not talking about white folks that thought that it was wrong. And the abolitionists that, fought and died for that sort of stuff, or the te the white teachers that taught black kids purposely knowing what could happen to them. Like you are, we're not trying to train white kids to be ashamed of their past. We're actually trying to, you know, hope that they understand like that there were decent white folks out there that were trying to do some decent things too. Like what, what, what the hell are y'all afraid of? Well, you see, if little Becky sees everyone is equally human she might bring a black boy home for dinner and we can't have that and, and that's the other part and that's the other part because we can't have that mm -hmm. i still remember in high when i was in high school i overheard a the father of a boy that i went to high school with tell his son you can fuck her but you can't bring her home to your mom So when people act like, <laughs> when people try to tell me there are still people, you know, that, that people don't have a objection to interracial relationships, I'm like, you guys are insane. Because, I mean, my beige ass was a problem for them. <laughs> what about literally all, you know, all the other people who, you know. My family did that also, like. They literally told me that I can only date like white people. And my grandparents said that as an interracial couple. <laughs> my grandpa is
trash and my grandma is white. <laughs> like, wow. And it was. But that, I mean, but that like that speaks to like how far gone we are, how how deep and insidious that like colonization and white supremacy is that like we really believe that having a whiter skin makes you a better form of human being which is just it's trash and and we the thing is like there's enough scholarship and there's enough information out there to know better but we decide that like the social ramifications of it are more important than anything else and it's uh it's why we struggle as a people just in general like we are not very educated we don't trust or believe in a lot of science and uh it shows all the time we would rather deal in the social implications of everything instead of you know the actual truth of it all i think for him like a lot of the internalized racism because he was mm -hmm. from a really small town in southern oklahoma that was all white basically and so I, I think it just like affected him like that deeply to where he like projected that on to like all of us like if you're not white like there's something wrong with you and like, you know Yeah, I mean, but that's that's I mean, but that's how we get to like Queen Elizabeth II, like the whiteness that she's able to project over seventy years on the throne, and she passes away at the ripe old age of ninety six. Which, I mean, I wish everybody could could die peacefully at home at ninety six. Like that'd be great. Um, but when it comes to the people all over the world mourning her, like they're mourning her simply because of her status and simply because of her skin color. Like they're not mourning her because she was a decent person because we don't know if she was or was not, but we do know the position that she held and we do know, you know, the position that her country held and, and the history of her country and how she played a big part in that. Um, but that's the reason why people mourn her. If that had been a black person that was on a throne for 70 years, um, you know, who was leading the, the, the largest colonial empire in the history of the world, like we would say good riddance and thank God. I mean, but, you know, we're not supposed to talk ill of the dead and we're not ready to have those conversations yet because it's always too soon. Um, but like, when are we ever supposed to have those? Like, uh, like in, in the- in the <laughs> They in never the, want us to. Oh, what? never. And, but that's the whole point. It's to, it's to waste time and delay and push off and push off and push mm -hmm. off. And by the time the next thing happens, like, oh, it's too soon to talk about that one also. Like we see it with school shootings all the time. Like we're not supposed to talk about school shootings and talk about the laws and all that other stuff because you know we gotta have a good time to, to mourn the dead and then guess what by the next week there's another one happening and we're gonna go ahead and get pissed off about where people are gonna say hey not now not yet but when and you know time is never on the side of the people that are being oppressed and all the people that are being marginalized it's just not the way that it works which is why we have to constantly push and force but then we also get labeled as being you know uh inappropriate um rude unprofessional mean people and all that other stuff. And it's just the same cycle that continues on and on. And um, like I remember, I mean, I think Queen Elizabeth died at like around 10.30 in the morning at some point in time, like where I'm at in LA. And I had the next class coming in in about 10 or 15 minutes. And, um, you know, kids were shocked. Like, oh my God, like she's dead. And I'm like, she's she's 96. Like it was, it was gonna happen at some point in time. Like granted, we know that she's been on the throne for 70 years, but like it had to happen. It had to, like, that's the way that it goes. Um, but I, I put up a map for them and it showed like all the different countries in the world that had been colonized by the British in the years in which they gained their independence. And um, I think the number's around 65 or 66. And so uh, I asked them like, do they know what the most widely celebrated holiday in the world is? And uh, they guessed a bunch, a bunch of other different things, but like the most widely celebrated holiday in the world is independence from Britain. 
like those 65 countries divided by 365 days a year basically averages out to like one every six days a country should be celebrating its independence from Britain. Like that's that's crazy. Not to mention there's another 14 territories that that Britain still owns right now till this day. And uh, I mean, and a lot of those countries that got their independence that, that earned their independence happened during Queen Elizabeth's reign. And that wasn't because she was nice and wanted them to to uh, to be free. It's because the British Empire realized that with all these countries demanding their freedom, they couldn't possibly keep them all down. So they let them all go. But that's what they did. They took everything they needed from them, let them go. And there's a reason why a lot of those countries are struggling today. It's not because they don't know how to lead. It's because, you know, they've got nothing to lead with. They've got no resources. They've always had somebody else, you know, being a police state over them or whatnot. And uh, the other argument that I hear from other people online is that like, you know, she didn't really have any real authority and she didn't have any real power. Um, and that's true, but she's still the Queen of England. She's got influence. You never hear any, uh, you know, videos or recordings of her saying that, you know, what the British have done is wrong. None whatsoever. So, like, if you don't mind profiting from it, then you're just as bad as the people that were actually making those decisions. Like, you've you've made a living off of it. There's a reason why the Queen of, the Queen of England is was worth $500 million. She got to pass it off to her, her son, uh, Charles. Um, tax-free, no doubt, because, you know, she made she made sure that she was exempt from having to do that inheritance tax thing. So he got to take over all of that whatsoever. And, uh, you know, this is where we are. And now we're now arguing over some lady and her worth to the world. And people don't understand, like, how come some people are not mourning the way that they are with the queen's death, which is also crazy to me because, like, people in, in, in America are doing that. Like, the British colonized America, and y'all are sitting up here like sympathizing with them, and and getting mad at folks here in America who do not feel the same way as you do. Like, that's crazy, crazy, crazy talk. But this is where we are with everything, all the time. Never fails. I mean, I I think the outpouring of you know the huge display of grief at her death is. Uh, indicative of how much influence she had. And so her silence or even support of atrocities through the years, there's no legitimate way to say she didn't affect anything. Exactly. Or people talking about like, you know, not celebrating somebody's death and how rude that is. And she had people that loved her. Yeah, I'm sure that she did. And there was also a lot of people out there that couldn't stand her and what she represented. And we have to be okay with that too. Like, I didn't see anybody like, you know, getting mad at folks who were mourning her death at the same way that people who were mourning her death got mad at people who, who were not. And to me, like, we talk about not celebrating death in this country. That's all we've ever done is celebrate death. I mean, we celebrate Thanksgiving because of the extermination of indigenous folks. And we mm -hmm. celebrate independence because of the killing of enslaved black folks and of the British, you know, um, the British again. Um, but those are things that we celebrate. We celebrate death all the time. People celebrated the lynching of, of black folks in, 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 in you know, pre-Civil War and in, up until the, the early 20th century. Like, people celebrate that shit all the time. And God forbid a black or brown person dies on TV somewhere at the hands of the cops or whatever, then, you know, they got what they deserved. And we basically celebrate that shit too. But um, it's, just, it's just always amazing the lengths that people will go in order to try to keep, you know, whatever semblance of power they think that they have or they think that they should have. Like... Don't give me the whole morals part. Don't don't act as if you know we should all feel the same way that you do because 
we all have a different experience. And I'm not gonna blame or fault anybody that wants to cry over her death. And at the same time, don't blame me because I don't give a damn. I agree. I like I, I hate like the argument of like she probably she had people that loved her, like so did Hitler. <laughs> like he had people that loved him and people that supported him and we celebrate like his like yeah. can't we speak ill of the death if they were shit people. Yep. Exactly. And not to mention, I mean, we also celebrate, you know, Columbus Day. And what is Columbus right ah. Not not the, the the founding of America. Like we know what he did, but we celebrate the hell out of that genocide. Day. Yeah, but we don't want to let that day go either. But no, we shouldn't celebrate the, the death of anybody. But you know, we celebrate all those holidays, which are just death. Oh. Speaking of death, <laughs> you mentioned nine eleven. Yeah. Uh, how how many years is it again? It is 21 now. Yep. Yeah, 21. This thing, I mean, those kids that were born that year are now able to drink. That is, that's insane. I wasn't. Don't say that. My son was like only a few months old. Like I was holding him when I was watching the second plane go into the tower live on the news. Now he's now grown we can have a man. Beer. Exactly. Now we can have a beer. <laughs> I was, he feels so old. That happened. <laughs> you were what? I was in like first or so. I was in second grade. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're such a baby. Thanks. Are you are, are you able to drink now, Carrie, or no? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the first grade. That's After crazy. Twelve years. So. <laughs> oh my god. You were like six. That's insane. I was eight. I was born in 94. Oh, my God. No, I would have... I'm traumatized now. Thank you, Gary. How did you just realize that? Every time you remind me of this, it just makes me feel... I, I am almost old enough to be her mom. I mean, I remember 1994, like, like clearly. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it's uh... fine. Any old zest to your life. <laughs> I think I'm like right on the edge of like millennial and like Gen Z. Like right on that edge. Because I still remember like my childhood, like I still played outside and didn't have like a cell phone or like electronics or anything until like middle school. Okay, how old were you when you got your first cell phone? I was. 12 or 13 and I had one of those like Nokia ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first cell phone was what I was a freshman in, in college and it was one of those like StarTac flip ones that like you couldn't <laughs> leave on all day because it would just drain the battery. So <laughs> you only had it in case you wanted to make a call but not to receive a call. I had like a Nokia. And only after nine o'clock because before that the, the minutes yeah, cost too much. For minutes, yeah. I had a Nokia track phone and I only had it because I was after school stuff to call home and tell them I need to be picked up. <laughs> Jesus, my God. Oh. <laughs> okay, so. 
What year were you born again? 94. I'm oh, 20. yeah. You are close to the edge on the millennials. I guess that ends in 96. I'm 28. <sighs> a baby. I'm just a baby. You, do you get I, on TikTok like, at all like for fun videos? Hmm? So do you get on TikTok like at all for like fun videos or do you just watch? Yeah. Because I mention a lot of like TikTok like references, and most of the time Summer doesn't get them. <laughs> she has she has to send me a lot of TikTok videos. I have a really bad habit of like hearing a TikTok sound and then just repeating it like a parrot for a month. <laughs> it's fine. She's got a Pavlovian response to TikTok. Wow like when social medias were like starting and like with youtube like i was a attached to the internet from like when youtube started in like 2006. oh my god so okay do you remember life before 9-11 a little not like a whole bunch like i remember because i was since I, I was eight like i we were living in Texas at the time and I remember like going outside to like play in the neighborhood with like the other kids and like riding my bike and stuff like that but I remember a lot of my childhood so I don't feel like I'm a good gauge <laughs> so you don't remember life before regular school shootings really do you yeah, because what Columbine was, what, 99 or 2000? 99. Yeah. I remember being at school and being, like, little. And we had to do, well, it was, we had to do, like, drive-by, like, practices, like, to hide. Because people would always, like, threaten to do, like, the drive-bys. Like, they wouldn't come, like, in the school, but they would threaten to do that in the school that I was at was pretty small. I went to like a like a smaller school in town, but um like all of the buildings were like really close to the road and like if you like just drove down the road, like you could shoot and hit almost every building into the classrooms. And so we had to do like drive-by practices. Yeah, like it's it's I mean it's amazing like in that couple of years like how much life changed. Like there's there's always like I think every generation has like that that certain event or that certain date where something happens and you distinctly remember what life was like before then, what life was like afterwards. Like, I know like in telling my students, like I like when it comes to my parents, um, like they remember where they were when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And like from my mom particularly, and they remember where they were when JFK was assassinated. And then my mom remembers particularly where she was when she found out that like Elvis Presley died. And then for us, like we've got, I mean, I remember, you know, life in school before Columbine and what it's turned into afterwards. Like I was in school and never had to worry about a school shooting. That's not something that we ever talked about or, you know, not a drill that we ever had to do. And and now like every school in America does at least a couple of those every year. I mean, we all have lockdown protocols, which is ridiculous. And then, and then the other one, like 9-11, like, I mean, obviously like the students I teach for, I think they were negative six when 9-11 happened. So like they've only <laughs> right. lived in a, and a 9-11 world mm -hmm. um but like asking them to go home and ask their their parents and their grandparents and other home adults like what life was like before that it was a totally different world back then just i mean not just mm -hmm. air travel but 
like I was telling them, it's it's crazy that y'all have only known what it's like to have to get to an airport two hours before it, a plane takes off, or um, you know, to have to take off your shoes when you're going through security. The fact that there is even security, like there was none of that stuff back then when I was a kid. Like we just got dropped off, walked on through, and we're we're there to go and could give mom and dad a, a hug and kiss before you hopped on a plane and they could stay there and watch your plane take off. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just none of that now. And uh, Right. You watch movies from that time time period before and none of the airport scenes make sense because there's like running to the, you know, the visitors running to the gate with you and all of this, like none of it. It was really like, because my parents live in Florida and so I them during the summer and I always like, remembered having to have like my grandma like she would have to stop like before like she would have to buy like a whole ticket to be able to go to the gate with me to sit with me and I was like 13 it wasn't just like allowed yeah which three is- ounce bottles of like liquid that you could take with you on the plane because right because we're ridiculous and, and like yeah yeah and for us being in Oklahoma the Oklahoma City bombing was mm-hmm. the same too like everything changed i remember sitting in class and we happened to be the first class at the end of the hallway the principal heard the uh alert on the radio and he came and told us and of course they didn't have any information yet just that um there was some sort of explosion in downtown and he was going like he i, I thought the man was going to pass out he had like all the blood had run you know left his face it was awful and then you know but a lot of people had family members that worked up in downtown you know you would commute to oklahoma city and that you know waco had just happened a couple years before and then that that not only changed things in oklahoma as far as it did change a lot of like the way security happened in oklahoma city itself but that was the beginning of the huge militarization within like the evangelical community and things like that and (laughs) when you know the preppers really started uh ramping up and that has not stopped so like gun culture ballooned enormously and the paranoia that still remains a lot of the like we're still seeing a lot of political fallout from that um like a recovered memory talking about like the preppers um i guess i had forgotten about it but after 9-11 like when we were living in texas my mom's boyfriend at the time was a conspiracy theorist oh um, boy about like george w bush like doing all of it and like everything that like led up to it and looking for like the signs that kind of shit I remember going to like protests and like gatherings and stuff because I was like eight. Not go. And I remember them like having little stands like telling you how to like prep for stuff and like where to hide things, like how to build like shelters and all kinds of shit. I guess I had forgotten that like brought up because it like popped into my head and I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I lived through that part. Yeah, and all those conspiracy theories and all that stuff, I mean, we still see the remnants and the connections with all that stuff today with QAnon and mm-hmm. um, conspiracy theories surrounding 9-11 and everything else. Like, it, it it all has a history. It all started somewhere. Like, that stuff can just get brought up, you know, out of thin air somewhere. And, I mean, I think the, the one thing that, like, got 
passed down to like a lot of other places around the country when it came to Oklahoma City bombing was having like those big huge planters or pillars in front of all the all the, the federal buildings. Like I like I mean going to UCLA, like we have like one of the federal buildings like right off of Wilshire Boulevard and like seeing those like up and like they're just now part of the landscape now, but that wasn't that way before. But you know, after Tammy D. McVeigh decides to do what he does, um, it's one of those those lasting sorts of uh of uh things that happens when something major like that happens. And, and I can still remember the Oklahoma City bombing because me and my cousin had to walk home from school that day. Um, and we got locked out of the house because she left her keys at home. But they always had like a uh, like a radio outside. And so we just happened to turn on the, the radio so we could listen to music or whatever and wait for somebody to get home and do homework. And um, yeah, like it was all over the radio. And I, can, and I can remember thinking like, damn, like what does, I remember thinking like, what the hell does that look like? And I wanted somebody to help me get home so I could actually see like if my, yeah ideas in my head actually matched what was on tv and it was it was far worse the tv was far far worse like i still remember seeing like i mean the the the, uh the paper scattered all over the place like being able to look inside the federal building and see um jackets in in office buildings and that sort of thing and i can remember them telling us that there was like a, a daycare center there and it's just thinking like holy shit like how do we let this happen and uh it's a lot of the same feelings that get brought up when we talk about 9-11 also, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a terrorist attack much in the same way. I remember- Only it was done by white nationalists. And that is why it gets ignored because there have been multiple, and I mean, there's connections to, you know, the white um, separatists. We have several, you know, I know there was um, a news story here in the last few weeks about them finding bodies on, you know, one of the, um, compounds from one of the groups, but there are several in Oklahoma and, you know, McVeigh had connections to Elohim city. There have been a few bombings that have been stopped plans that have been stopped in the meantime, also with connections to the same groups, but it's largely ignored and not (laughs) aggressively pursued, but here we're still like, 9-11 9-11 has been put on this pedestal and and I really feel like it's treated differently because of who those, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't want to just use terrorists, war, but you I mean, know. <laughs> they're extreme as much in the same way that, that, that I mean- Extremists, that's a good was, word. Exactly, yeah. Right. And, I mean, imagine if, if America had done what it did to, you know, the Middle East and Muslim countries, if they had done that to, to white nationalism here in America. I mean, on September 11, 2001, 2,977 people died, not including the, the 19 terrorists. And as a response, we decided to raid the Middle East and we fight a, a war on terror there for 20 years that cost Forever. us $2 trillion, kills over a million people, displaces anywhere from like 50 to, to 60 million people from their homes. Um, and here, I mean, we get terrorist attacks and it's just like, oh, we'll put up some, some big huge planters and pillars in front of the federal building to make sure that if they do do that, um, the blast won't, won't radiate as much and, and won't kill as many people. And, you know, I mean, you can't help but see the similarities between both of those events. And you also can't help but see the difference in the response to it in, in both ways. Is that what the planners and pillars are for? It's to keep you from getting any vehicle I'm gonna a be, certain distance. I didn't know about the Oklahoma City bombing until like high school. Like nobody back home ever talked about it. 
Yeah. When you, I took a class, a seminar called Death and Dying. Interesting class. (laughs) Interesting. Um, We had a woman that survived the bombing come and talk to us and like showed us pictures and stuff from that day. Traumatizing for the whole class to see like all of it because it was like uncensored pictures. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. That's the reason why we get them. So it, it's concerning because the, you know, that <laughs> white nationalism and um, particularly, you know, Christian, white, white Christian nationalism is really the biggest threat within this country. But it's downplayed so much. Instead, we'd rather have people take off their shoes at an airport or you know, make sure that we only can carry three ounces of a clear liquid or make sure we can't bring any food from outside, you know, through security. Like that's the stuff that we're worried about. We're not worried about the homegrown terrorists that are in this country right now, actively plotting and speaking like as we, as we do this podcast and uh, mm-hmm. all the fanfare and all the, the, the patriotism that, that surrounds 9-11 is um, misguided. I mean, <laughs> people talk about like never forgetting. And like one of the things I like, as I have like these day long sort of like mini lessons with my students so that way they understand that like history is made every day. And that way things like this are, are, are opportunities for them to learn and ask questions. Um, I also put up like different tweets of, of different folks that for 9-11, it wasn't a time for bonding and unity. It was a time of terror for them. Um, tweets about, you know, uh, um, a Muslim girl's dad, you know, being beat up at work because, you know, he wore a head wrap. And so after that, he took his head wrap off, never put it back on again. Or a, a nine-year-old kid um, having his parents ask him if he wanted to change his name because his name was Osama. Like a nine-year-old having to make that choice at that point in time because he can't walk around, you know, the United States with a name like that. Or um, another lady, she said that she was a, uh, you know, a freshman in one of her college classes and her teacher asking her to leave because, you know, they wanted a safe space for the other students to process their, their grief, you know, in, in a way that would be okay for them and might be threatening to her. Um, I mean, the, the, the jailing of Islamic folks that, you know, their only crime was that they looked a certain way in America, in New York, and, and being detained much in the same way that the Japanese were during internment camps. Um, and yet, and so we celebrate all this stuff. I was legitimately concerned that we were going as the fallout from 9-11 was happening and and all the rhetoric we were hearing, I was legitimately concerned that we were headed towards them setting up internment camps. Oh, I I would imagine that that's probably something that they wanted to do. And the only reason why it didn't happen is because it was the 21st century. But I can only imagine the types of conversations government officials had about what they should do. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody was on heightened alert back then. And... You know, and, and I don't think, and, and the bad part is, I don't think most Americans would have blamed them for doing it, which is scary. Like, if that's what it takes in order to get people here to completely fear for, you know, their safety and that will allow the government to do whatever the hell it wants, regardless of, of whether it violates somebody else's civil rights, which all these people that they were, you know, uh, housing and jailing were American citizens just like they were. Um, but... I mean, a part of that is the history of this country. Again, it's not like we've never seen it before. And uh, 
I mean, again, we talk about never forget, but there are certain things about that day and that the ramifications of it that we that we shouldn't forget. Like, damn the American flag tattoos and damn the playing of the national anthem before sports games and all that other stuff. Like, it was a shitty time for a lot of Americans. Yeah. And uh, we had an opportunity to be better and we decided not to. And instead we decided to, you know, take our asses to the Middle East and go to Afghanistan and fight a, a war for 20 years that just ended while these kids are now alive. Like these kids have lived in a world in which it's post 9-11 and in a, in a world in which America has been perpetually at war for two decades. Like, and it's, it's a, uh, and again, we kind of sweep that stuff underneath the rug too. Like we spent $2 trillion in Afghanistan in 20 years and like doing the math of it, 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 it averages out to $32 million an hour for 20 years. Like what could we have done in America with $2 trillion besides, you know, fighting that battle over there to, to not even win it and to basically, you know, end up giving Afghanistan back to the people that we were trying to protect it from, supposedly. Um, supposedly. Yeah, but, but what sort of pro social programs and, and safety nets could we have with $2 trillion? And, and to give it an, an idea of like how long, like how much a trillion is, because all we know is 12 zeros. Um, I told my kids that like a million seconds is like 11 days and a billion seconds is like 31 years or something like that. And a trillion seconds is like 31,000 years. Wow. And we, and we spent $2 trillion fighting a war that was impossible to win. But uh, God bless America. <laughs> right. America. Yay. The other crazy thing about <laughs> that time was Rudy Giuliani. Like, can you imagine if we'd had a presidential election that year or even the year after that? Like, that dude oh would have, he was the most popular person, most beloved person in America. Like, he would have walked into the White House without mm -hmm. one ounce or one dollar spent for you know, uh, publicity or campaigning or whatever, like he would have walked into the White House. Every person mm -hmm. in America would have voted for that dude for president. Thank God it happened in 2001 and not in 2000 or 2004 because it would have easily been, you know, his time to be the next president. That's and look terrifying. at that dude now. That's a good point though. I hadn't thought about that. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, not that the Cheney and, uh, administration was great, but no, not at Giuliani all. either. But Rudy Giuliani, did, I mean, especially knowing what we know about that dude today, like right. he would have walked into the presidency without spending one dollar for campaigning. He could have just put his name on the ballot and won in a landslide. Um. But yeah. That's terrifying. I'm going to have nightmares now, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do it. American history is just one big nightmare. <laughs> it is. It's like <laughs> me to hear it from like y'all's perspective because y'all like remember it and I don't. <laughs> so it's like, it's interesting to hear like what people actually were thinking like when it happened. Because I was like, I, what's for lunch? Like, I don't, something sad happened. I don't know, like, what to do. I said, what's for lunch? <laughs> well, what I, I have found interesting is, you know, I have kids, my, the, my, the spacing of my kids are I have a 10 year old through a 21 year old. 
And so the older ones, like they don't, of course, you know, they've never lived pre 9-11, but they, but it was still close enough, you know, in those last handful of years after it. So they remember hearing about the actual attack and all of that. The 10 year old, you know, and his cousins that are around that age, they don't even know what it was. Like they don't even know that what the twin towers were, that this attack happened. They don't know any of that. And so they're like, why does everybody keep talking about 9-11? Why are there so many flags up today? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> so, so they're very confused. I like, because I, I remember it happening and I remember like watching it on the TV because I thought that was a good idea for second graders to put that on TV for us to watch. Um, we had to go outside and pray for them as a class. Oh God! Whole different story. Um, but like, I guess it just never like processed like the same way it would have if I was already an adult or like a teenager. I don't know. It's- yeah, it, and those were also like in the early days of the internet, so there wasn't a whole lot of stuff out there, and like we got pretty much any bit of news that we got was from like newscasts and all that sort of stuff, and and we know the sorts of slants that they can put on things, and like. They really did, like, prop up and promote a very, you know, patriotism sort of, like, themed covering of all of it. Um, I mean, even, like, remarking on the idea that, you know, that, like, evil has found us. And I remember, like, that, that I can't remember who it was, but it was one lady on one of those, um, on one of those newscasts talking about how evil has found us. And at that point in time, like, as, as as a teenager, like, I didn't know much of that stuff and what she meant. I mean, I like history and was learning it, but I, I didn't have teachers that could have those sorts of conversations. Um, but to know, like, even in retaliation, all the sorts of, like, many night 11, we've, we have enacted on other people around the globe all the time that never makes it into the news because uh-huh. it would be a bad look for, for all of us. I mean, and then now the, the advent of drones and all that other stuff, like, we get to go ahead and, and terrorize folks day in and day out, you know, people that, that had nothing to do with 9-11. And yet, and still, like, we are still bombing their towns and bombing their cities and bombing their countries over some shit that they didn't do. Um, I mean, I, I, I asked my kids, like, y'all don't even know what it's like. And I can't even fathom or imagine, you know, what it would be like to have to walk around every day not knowing if you were going to get, you know, a missile dropped on you or a drone strike. Um, you know, what that what that looks like. And, and that is the response that a lot of these... Um, Middle Eastern countries had to face because of what one group decided to do. It wasn't even a country. Like, it was it was a group of, of extremists. And, uh, again, like, all this, sort, all this sort of stuff goes back to lived experience. And I can't imagine what prompted those folks to, to be uh, so radical and extreme that they figured that was the only way that they could strike back out at America. Um, but being a historian, I can only imagine. And, uh, while I'm not a fan of, of what they did, I can also, you know, think about why. And I can also mm-hmm. think about exactly how we responded to it. Um, I mean, over the last 20 years of drone strikes that, that we've enacted on folks at weddings and hospitals and schools and all that other shit, like, why would a country not want to go ahead and, and retaliate back against us at some point in time? And we're going to call them evil because if that's the case, we need to look in the goddamn mirror and uh, see exactly what this country does. But. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any of the uploads, be sure to turn on those notifications so you, uh, you will know as soon as those go up. And also like us on social media at Hypoxia Podcast. Or uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, hypoxia.com. That's H-O-P-O-K-S-I-A.com. And the links to all the socials and all the podcast feeds are right there. And we just want to thank you all for sharing your time with us, hanging out with us. And we hope to um, spend more time with you in the future.